we need to wake up and we need to make changes. We need to have, you know, whole foods, plant-based diets, eat a lot of fruit, like stay hydrated, you know, do these things. And so in a way, I feel like we are like the teachers of this time. Like, you know, we have this special gift of like knowledge, you know, to spread. This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Rheumatoid Solutions Podcast with Clint Patterson, helping you to live an easier, healthier and happier life. Today's guest on the podcast, her name is Chase, and she's a delightful, young, vibrant, sprightly, happy person, partly due to her natural personality, but also because she has transformed her health with rheumatoid arthritis. She's going to share with us today how she did it and walk through each of the strategies that she used. Chase, thanks for joining us today. Uh, give us an insight into your level of before and after. Yeah, thank you. Um, so a couple of years ago, I was barely able to walk. I lived a life filled with immense amounts of pain. Um, and then I surrendered to medicine and, you know, changed my life around, diet changes, lifestyle changes. Um, I used to be on Enbrel, Humira, Methotrexate, Prednisone, everything, tried everything, Deljan. Yeah, I just made some changes and now I'm taking Enbrel very lightly, you know, every six uh, weeks to few months if needed. But yeah, I'm going, you know, I'm doing great. Yeah, amazing. So um, when were you diagnosed? How old are you? And what did you do prior to what you just described? Okay, so I was diagnosed at uh, age 21. Um, I was 21 when I was first diagnosed. And um, so you said, what did I do prior? Yeah, what did you try and do? Did you go straight on the drugs? Did you try and do things naturally? Did you, were you in denial? Did you say, you know, you know ig ignore medical advice? What, what, what was your response? Um, when I first got diagnosed, I immediately changed. Um, I immediately discovered you and I changed my life. I went vegan. I went from the standard American diet to, um, you know, your protocol. And it was really hard. <laughs> um, then it felt so extreme, you know, um, but I did it and I, um, was able to pretty much not cure, you know, but, um, live symptom free for about a year. Um, and then I fell off track. I started just drinking again, eating um, everything under the sun again, because I felt so good. And then that I spent a year of, you know, living normal. Then a year after that, I pretty much everything came back. All the symptoms was in a lot of pain. That time I really tried hard to avoid medication. Um, I tried everything, you know, diets, um, you know, everything and my pain wouldn't go away. And, um, through listening to your podcast, actually, like I remember that I would just listen to your podcast 24 seven 
I remember you saying, um, you know, sometimes you need to have medication and the diet and that's like the sweet. So I surrendered, was on methotrexate, um, Humira and prednisone. Now I'm on Enbrel. I had some issues with Humira, but yeah, I was on major drugs and it was terrible. You know, I'd wake up in the morning and feel like I needed to go back to sleep. It was so bad. I had to take time off work. Yeah. Mm. What uh, side effects did you have from the Enbrel? You said that didn't work for you. You also mentioned Zelljans, uh, maybe just before the call or, or earlier. Tell me, like, what was the decision process around switching off of those medications? So Zelljans gave me extreme chest pain, which was very scary. Like it gave me chest pain, heart palpitation, anxiety. Um, you know, I think when you change your life around and you're eating clean, I think you really do listen internally a little more. And so these that Zelgens completely affected me terribly. It really freaked me out. Um, with Humira, I would get chronic UTI symptoms, but no UTI, which is just extremely painful and bothersome in many ways. And I would go to the doctor and um, the gynecologist and they would prescribe me antibiotics and antibiotics and antibiotics. And I was like, they're like, yeah, you have the UTI symptoms, so you must have UTI, but nothing's showing up. So here's some antibiotics. And I was just like, it, I kind of intuitively knew it was the Humira. So I switched to Embril and I do not have, I didn't have that problem. It's interesting because they have the same mechanism. They're both TNF alpha medications. Did the rheumatologist give you some kind of disclaimer and say, hey, you might get the exact same effect with Enbrel? Yes. She did because she also told me they're very similar. You know, maybe, maybe it was a fluke. You know, I don't know. Maybe I just haven't had that happen to me since switching. And maybe, you know, I just, my body got cleaner or, you know, I don't know. But I have a feeling it kind of was the Humira. I don't know. Mm. No, but, you know. Oh, definitely. This stuff's fascinating. And tell me about the prednisone. What dosage were you put on? Were you put on one of these medral packs where you start high and then you taper down? Or were you given the discretionary instructions and you could take prednisone as you needed it? And tell me how you got off that drug. And also tell me how it made you feel. So prednisone made me feel better but also worse at the same time <laughs> um you know it gave me like a little boost of energy but it just made me feel just yucky. i don't know how to describe it it just made me feel like swollen and just i don't know um and so i, I don't know the exact dosage that i started but it was um an as needed basis um it was as needed um I didn't stay on prednisone for too long because it just didn't make me feel very good. And I just figured, hey, the less, the better. You know, I think with being on methotrexate and Humira at the same time at that point, 
the methotrexate was wiping me out so much that because I was on the highest dose of methotrexate and I'm not sure the dosages, but I was on the highest. I think I was taking um, like eight or 10 pills um, a week. I don't know the dosage though, but um, yeah. So I wasn't on prednisone for all too long. I didn't mm. really like it. Yeah, good. Now for the people who are currently on those medications who are listening to this or watching this, um, how did you get off them? The question of the hour. <laughs> um, so I gradually weaned off of them once I started to feel better. And I was very patient with myself um, because I didn't want to get off and just suffer anymore. I spent about six months of complete suffering and like fighting, taking the medication. And um, I actually had a health, I got a health coach. He was actually on your podcast, Erica Bustos. Um, and I was talking to her, you know, I was like, please, anybody out there help me be healthy, you know? And um, she told me, she was like, you know, you have to look at your quality of life. Like, like Ari is clearly taking away your quality of life. So you know, maybe for just a sliver of your life, you'll need to be on medication. So what? And if you do the right steps, you can eventually get off of them. Right. And I was like, yeah, I never thought of it like that. Like, you know, so I started eating very clean. I followed pretty much your protocol. I would, you know, add, I, I would say I did a mix of your protocol along with like a medical medium lifestyle. Beautiful. Um, yeah. So just pretty much whole plant-based whole foods, highly raw, a lot of juices. I, yeah, I love juicing. Um, I'm really big on juice cleanses. I think that they're amazing um, for people that are trying to heal. And then I also started to just walk at first. I got a dog. I got a dog, which a puppy, which I really recommend to anybody that, you know, if you're, if you're taking time off work, like I was, and I was lonely, uh, um, my dog just came into my life. I didn't actually seek him out, but he just came to me and, um, he helped me get out and walk and then walking led to jogging and then jogging led to being able to do yoga. And yeah, it was just a slow, gradual process of, I mean, it took me about probably like six months. Um, but yeah, I think like, oh, meditation too. Meditation, um, is, was huge for me. Um, yeah, all those things. Mm. Sunshine, very important. Good. Well, you've certainly touched upon a lot of the things that we recommend and that, that have got scientific evidence to, um, to support their, uh, their, their approach for rheumatoid arthritis improvement. And I apologize if people are wondering about my voice. It's got a little bit of blockage there, but we're going to get through this podcast. Now, um, <clears throat> the sunshine helps with the near-infrared radiation, which can stimulate melatonin inside ourselves to reduce oxidative stress. Probably uh, that's a contributor as well as just feeling good. Um, you've talked about starting out with walking. So you've started really slowly. And walking, whilst isn't, therapeutically rheumatoid arthritis reversal level, uh, as you said, it's a platform to get you to 
something that is, which is something more cardiovascular um, heavy, which is the running. And that could have been something else, could have been the elliptical, it could have been a rowing machine, it could have been a stationary bike, but you've gone to running, which you were allowed to do because your knees are obviously uh, okay, ankles and feet. So if people are thinking, there's no way I can run, it's not running, it's cardiovascular energy it, uh, energy usage, and it's increasing your fitness levels. We know that your level of fitness, your VO2 max, which is measurable, is directly proportional or inversely proportional to inflammation in people over the age of 60 in studies. So we can extrapolate that to young people. And we can say that if you are fitter, you have less inflammation. So we must get fitter. And you've done that via running, which is wonderful. You then mentioned you went into yoga, which is a strategy that obviously I used for many, many years. Let's talk about uh, the yoga and whether or not you've prioritized that over the running or if you maintain a mixed bag of exercise and how the exercise in general made your life better. At first, I wasn't too into yoga because I was too intimidated. So I was just, I, I would run pretty, I would run a lot. I would run like five to six miles when I was feeling good, like every single day religiously. Um, now that I'm into yoga for the last, I would say like five, six months, I do a mix of yoga and running and I don't run as much as I did. I'm, I just focus more so on breaking a sweat than the miles I run. Like my kind of my intentions different, you know, I'm not like, okay, I have to get this five miles done. I'm just like, I just want to break a sweat, get the blood flowing, um, you know, release some toxins and that's, and then I'm good. And yoga, I prefer hot yoga, you know, sweat out all the toxins and stuff, but yeah, now we do a mix. And I find that that's just a lot easier on my body. And yeah, I'm really happy with my, my uh, thing I got going here now. Yeah, fabulous. And, you know, when I used to attend a Bikram-style yoga, what they now call 26 and 2, some studios, uh, there used to be some people who would groan in the change room and say, you can't sweat out toxins. It's all just BS that they come up with and so on uh, to make it sound like, you know, there are additional benefits. But the studies show that you can eliminate not just heavy metals, but also pesticides preferentially through your sweat. And so we know that sweating is a detoxification mechanism. And in fact, if people are, have uh, concerns around heavy metals and pesticides, that is the preferential approach. Go and sweat. And let me add that the studies are equally supportive for exercise as a mechanism independently of the sweating mechanism. So exercise and sweat. That's how you get rid of heavy metals and pesticides. So it is scientifically supported and what you're doing is, you know, obviously effective. So, and I also like this combination with exercise as well, because when I used to only go to Bikram yoga, man, did I, I started to resent it terribly because it was exhausting and it was just like, almost like a, a job I didn't want to have to do, but I felt there was no other way of earning an income. Does that make sense? And so mixing it up, 
makes life much more rich, you know, with different modalities to, to exercise. Oh, I totally, totally agree. Um, Cause when I wasn't feeling good, I think I resorted more on yoga and then it did become quite a job. Yeah. So I think, I think diversity is just important in general because I think too, when you have RA, we get very fixated on the details. I think that's like our personalities, like we're all really type A personalities and we have to go every day. And so I think like just kind of shedding that like narrative of having mm-hmm. to have things, have things is also really important for healing your disease or, you know, just healing in general. How did you space the emerald? How did you go about it? Where did you get the idea? And what were the uh, any hiccups that you faced? So I was starting to feel little to no pain. And my new RA doctor, who was very supportive of like my rheumatologist, I'm very lucky because my rheumatologist now, her goal is always to get um, you off of medication. He doesn't want you to be on medication forever, which my previous rheumatologist um, wanted. And um, she told me that she has a patient who comes in once every six months for an embryo injection. So I was like, oh, you could take embryo as needed. And she was like, yeah, she's like, pretty much. And I was like, oh, well, I want to do that. Then I'm, so I'm just going to, then, because I was taking it once a week. And although I liked Emerald, it was also giving me really bad um, bloating and digestive issues. Um, like I would eat anything and my stomach, I wouldn't even be able to fit into sweatpants of mine because it was just so like, it literally, like, I felt like I had like a nine month old baby in there and I was like, nothing fits me. And it was just from Emerald. Mm. Okay. So you've, you've run with the idea from the rheumatologist who's definitely talking different to the most, to the majority. Um, Dr. Nisha Manik, our rheumatologist who comes on our live calls, people in our membership, they, uh, sorry, she uh, also talks about the paradigm shift of rheumatology and that it used to be go on the drugs, take them for the rest of your life. There's no questions. However, she's talked about the last few years on these live calls about how there is now discussions that are being had not just patient to rheumatologist, but among rheumatology, that if you are able to do the evidence-based interactions as a patient and you are seeing symptoms come down, then yes, you can taper this drug. You can potentially come off that drug. So they've just begun discussions, which I think will take 10, 15 years to become mainstream. I'm hoping to play my part, and I hope my book has a disruptive effect on the on the on the whole rheumatology approach. That would that would be awesome, but probably a little bit ambitious thinking. But you can think big, right? But uh, with stories like yours um, and everyone else who's come before you on this show, we know what's possible. We know what can be done, and so. Yes, it's good that the rheumatologist is is talking about that. I'd be interested to chat with her. She sounds like someone who's in our team. Yeah, she 
it's awesome. Um, the only thing is that she is not on board yet with like the diet correlation. Like I've kind of mentioned a couple things and she like looks at me like, I'm like, yeah, I stopped drinking coffee and like my wrist doesn't hurt anymore. And she's like, mm. and I'm like, no, I'm serious. Like, you know, so I think that one might be a tough, you know, tough to crack, but she's, she's awesome. It's so funny, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Sort of once a leopard, always a leopard sort of thing, or once a, once a koala, always a koala. But at least as part of her thought process that is on board with what patients want, right? Which is mm. awesome because mm. it's really aiding to be, and like, it just feels so suffocating and lonely to be on the other end when you have a doctor, a rheumatologist that's just really care. Totally. And for newbies to this episode, or to this podcast, if this is the first one you've watched, we are all about maximum health, minimum symptoms. If that means some lower drugs, then great. We are, as you said earlier, Chase, you know, I advocate for us to have as little symptoms as possible. And if that means medications, embrace the medications. 30 years ago, we didn't have access to the ones that we have today. It was gold injections and prednisone and, you know, it wasn't a pretty landscape. So do what we need to do, get the inflammation down because inflammation, irrespective of where it is in the body, causes intestinal permeability. We cannot heal if we are waking up in the morning with blown up knees, elbows, fingers all inflamed. If we're five, six, seven out of 10 in the morning, we're leaky gut or we, we, we're already generating more immunoreactive proteins into our body to deal with via a leaky gut cycle. We've got to get the inflammation down. Chase, I want to learn more from you. Uh, you've achieved incredible things. You've come off these medications. You've spaced the anvil. You're exercising daily. You're sweating regularly. You're eating the cleanest, most evidence-backed diet. You got some mindset guidance. What does your day look like? How, uh, let's let's create an image of your day for people that so that they can say, right, that's something I can do too. Talk us through it, please. Okay, yeah. So um, wake up. First thing I do is take my dog out for a walk. So get out for a walk, um, take him to use the restroom. Um, at that point, um, if I'm not going to 6 a.m. yoga, then I'll go for a run, you know, like a three mile, something just light. And if I'm not doing that, I'm also just taking my playing sex with my dog, um, walking as I'm doing that for about an hour. That's usually always how I start my day. Then um, come home um, and I will make breakfast which is usually just fresh fruit or a smoothie and then um, maybe I'll prep some or I like to juice a lot too so maybe um, I'll prep some juice to take to work usually I'll take like yeah it's so funny I'll take like um 64 ounce gallons of juice to work and my coworkers are like you're crazy <laughs> but um I juice a lot of melons because they produce a lot um so that's a tip for anyone um, but yeah, that's pretty much what every day of mine looks like. Um, and then in the morning, and then I'll go to work 
I um, usually don't start work till around noon. So I'm pretty lucky in that way. Um, so yeah, I'll go to work and then come home, make dinner. Um, and it's usually, you know, something um, cooked or not, depending on my mood. And um, yeah, then I will try to do something that will calm my mind down once the sun goes down, like try to read or it ends up sometimes just being looking at my phone, which is really bad, but um, just trying to calm down, reset. And then I go to bed pretty early. Sometimes I'll try to do like a little meditation or I'll go to um, 5 p.m. yoga if I didn't do the 6 a.m. yoga. So that's a really good way to wind down as well. Um, and then, yeah, I just get ready for bed. I go to bed pretty early. Um, I like to get up early. So it's pretty much every day. Yeah. What time do you get up? I would say anywhere from five to seven. I go through periods where sometimes five is a little early and then, but yeah, no, never really later than seven. Okay. And I'm not hearing much calories in your diet. Where do you get the bulk of your energy from? Um, I would say fruit is like my best friend because I can just, you know, bring bananas, bring apples, bring dates anywhere. Um, I'm always snacking on things. Um, my smoothies that I make are extremely, extremely dense. Um, I will, I'll have a Vitamix and I will make almost the entire Vitamix like three quarters of the way full. So sometimes that's like ends up being um, close to like 50 ounces of a smoothie. Um, so, you know, I load it up, spinach, um, put, you know, a ton of bananas, dates, blueberries, um, hemp seeds, flax seeds, um, um, every, you know, sometimes I'll put some nuts in there to just, you know, a couple, just make sure that I, I'm, you know, I'm satiated for the day, satiated for the day. Um, and so, yeah, I pack it all in, um. And then for dinner, um, I do a lot of like rice and beans and pretty much vegetables, just, you know, and uh, uh, greens. So greens, um, I usually do like rice or, or quinoa and just a veggie. I usually like to steam my veggies. I like to do low oil, um, not completely against oil, but at right now because I'm feeling good. But um, I find that... Um, it feels a little too heavy for me now. I, I prefer just steamed. Um, and I will do a little bit of salt sometimes. I, I like lemon on pretty much everything. I love lemon. Um, so yeah, I, that's pretty much it. And I just have a lot of fruit stocked up. I will really go to work with, um, like a full 64 ounce of like watermelon juice. And then, um, sometimes even two 32 ounce of like a honeydew melon juice or a cantaloupe juice. And that really keeps me going throughout the day. Um, you know, along with a smoothie or along with anything else, but yeah. Mm, thank you there. That's the sort of detail I was after, <laughs> you know, your diet's outstanding. The, the, the amount of greens in there, uh, create, a free passageway for so many other foods and you haven't even included other foods that are problematic. And so 
you know, I always say like if, if you, I used to eat hot chips with salad so that I could eat the hot chips. I found I could cheat hot chips into my diet with salad. But if you don't eat the hot chips, sorry, if you don't eat the salad, those hot chips will give you some serious trouble. So they are a very effective way of eating safely. And so your green smoothies are packed with them. Your evening meal, you're eating with leafy greens. Uh, but even then, it's beans, rice. I mean, there's nothing even frightening in there. So no wonder you feel good. I mean, when you're getting so much nutrition at the, at the most you know, highest level like you are, you can't not do well. And then you're active, you're sweating. Many, many people can get the diet right, but then uh, wonder what's missing. And what's missing is the other 50% of the whole process, which is remaining, being very active and becoming fit. With fitness comes sweat. With fitness comes anti-inflammatory effects. With fitness comes a fitness mentality, which is, I'm going to be active today. And it self-cycles into an existence of positivity. You know, you're glowing. You don't look, you, you look like your, your ideal weight. So for people who are concerned listening to this who can't see you on video, um, you look fantastic. Your skin's glowing. You know, you're vibrant. You, know, you look, as I said, you, that you've, you're, you're at the weight that you should be. I mean, does it feel like that to you as well? Totally. It, I feel like people have, some people have issues with Hawaii because they're like, where's your food? You know, and I'm, and actually I think I overeat sometimes because I have bad habits of overeating on like the standard American diet. So I actually feel like I overeat sometimes. And, um, but yeah, I, yeah, I feel like other people have issues with, with what I eat, but I don't. And I feel like it's fine. And I, yeah, I like it. I love it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. There's something, once you get used to eating green smoothie, consuming green smoothies and drinking juice, it's highly addictive because you just buzz afterwards. We all laugh in our family when my wife puts makes uh, a big, you know, wild blueberry smoothie with bananas and, and uh, the special mix that she puts together. We're all on crack after that. Like we're all just, you know, the kids start jumping around. It's like they've had candy um but it's wrapped in a green you know a leafy green uh mix that's uh, super healthy so um yeah it's definitely a pick me up you have high vibrational energy you feel great and um we sh- uh, none of us in our community unless we have a diagnosis of type 1 diabetes uh or or type 2 and we haven't gotten control of it yet, which we will if we do have it, need to be concerned with a little sugar spike from fruits. No one needs to be concerned. That's natural. That's wonderful. That's our body gaining a quick fuel from foods that we are configured to eat. So um, yeah, we need not be concerned with feeling wonderfully energized from a healthy green smoothie. That's how juice is for me. Two, um, I invested in a great juicer. Um, it's like the Nama, Nama J2, and it saves so much time. I just throw, 
a ton of fruit in there. It makes me so much juice. And I buzz after I drink juice. And um, I only started juicing this year. I My eyes were very yellow in January of this year. And I looked in the mirror and I, I felt sick, really sick still. I think because I just have had a lot of buildup from medication. And I was like, I'm going to do a juice cleanse. And I thought I was just going to do three to five days. And I ended up doing 30. And I think that that like just transformed my health. I feel like ever since then, my clients at work, they're like, oh my God, like you are glowing. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just, I did a big juice cleanse, kind of cleared myself out. And then I just feel like I'm still juicing regularly. And it's been, it just provided me with so much hydration. And yeah, I buzz after I juice. (laughs) Yeah. Couldn't agree more. When we do do our celery cucumber juices from time to time in our family, which we don't, when just family of five, three young kids, it's hard to do it as much when you, uh, you know, in your in your twenties as opposed to you know mid forties. But when we do, it's the same. And even though there's very little sugar in the cucumber celery, we still feel vibrant, clarity of thought, just feel really, really good. Uh, it is, it is a really powerful strategy and the critics of juicing is, but you've just gotten rid of all the fiber and the fiber is what feeds your gut bacteria. The fiber helps to, you know, slow the transition of the glucose into the cells, the fiber, this, the fiber, that, and I'm all about fiber. I'm like, that's one of the reasons why our program works so well is because all the fiber, however, you don't need to have fiber in everything when you're already eating so much fiber. So you've basically extracted the minerals, the antioxidants, and as you said, the hydration, and you've taken that component and you're letting all of the beans and rice and all the other things that you're eating, let that bring some fiber into your diet of which there is an abundance. And so don't worry about taking some fiber out for some green juices, people who are listening. Not you, Chase. You're obviously all over this. Um, it it is a it is a strategy that 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 complements all of the eating, and it's like a supplement almost. It just augments the outcome. Um, if you're not doing green juices, get into them. Definitely. Mm. Chase, tell us what else we've missed. Uh, if if we were to say, you know, have we covered everything? Are there some other things that you do? Uh, that you think are important to share? Yeah, I think it's super important to share like when you fall off track because actually recently this year, um, although I'm doing great right now, I did fall off track for about a month. I wouldn't even say I fell off track, but I discovered this doctor like on Instagram and, you know, and he was saying how, he was talking a lot about eating meats and I got really curious and I decided to introduce meat for like three weeks and it set me back like for about a two month period. I started feeling pain almost in, you know, everywhere within three weeks. And I felt like such a failure and I was so hard on myself. And now that I, I knew what to do to get out of it, you know, and I just started 
pretty much exactly what I was doing before, you know, juicing, whole foods, plant-based, you know, highly raw, whatever you want to call it. And now I'm like thankful for that period because, um, it kind of just helped me get even stronger into doing the right things. And it kind of was like a little reminder, like, Hey, get, you know, get back on track. And uh, I think a lot of people like fall off track and they get so hard on themselves. So maybe like to not be hard on yourself if you fall off track, I think that's really important because everything is just like, you know, a little lesson and um, we're not perfect, you know, where it's hard when you see everybody, you know, when you're, everybody's eating everything else and people are like, where's your food and what's this, you know? It gets hard, but um, yeah, I guess that's important to mention. Yeah, the way I've written that in my book is the deafening noise of unhelpful others. It's mm. just insane the number of people who have opinions willing to share it, but who have no knowledge of the science. And all we should yeah. pay attention to is the science. The science, did you know there's not one single medical paper that says you should eat more meat if you have rheumatoid arthritis not one in it like and there is there is there is published medical papers on virtually everything the weirdest stuff you could ever imagine someone's done a study on it and come to a conclusion well there's no study that's ever concluded we need to eat more meat and all the studies show we need to eat more plants so let us not fall off the path. Let us not be a, uh, attracted to these shiny objects just because it's a doctor, just because they have 2 million followers, just because they're convincing and they've got a high-quality video production team making everything look really slick. The science says that they're wrong and therefore ignore them and swipe away from those unhelpful, noisy others. That was a really good point. We've all fallen off track and it's easy to do so. You know, I fell off track a few years ago. That cost me terribly. The inflammation went to my damaged knee. I had to get a knee replacement, something I didn't think I'd have to do for another 15 years. So when these things happen, it helps us to be stronger and we try to lose as little cartilage as we can before we get back on track. And my setback helped me write about 80 pages of my book because of all the lessons I learned during that period. And so good comes from these things. And you only set back by three months, which is which is pretty acceptable given the degree of lesson that you got, right? You would trade that off for the life lesson that you got. So that was excellent. Yes, we all fall off track. And it's okay. I just sat through a two-hour presentation by one of the world's best mindset coaches. I was hosting a conference, and they have these inspirational special guests that they pay huge money for to come and make the delegates all improve so the company does better, right? And whenever we're faced with adversity, this is the, this is the little routine that we should do. It is to, first of all, stop, take a deep breath, okay? And then we have to say to ourselves, I accept this, that it's out of my control. And then what we do is we say, what can I do right now to take action, 
to make this better. And then we roll out the action and acknowledge our physiology to make sure that we're in a position of power and not in a position of, of disempowerment. And if our physiology is right, we ask the right question, what can we do right now? And we accept that this is out of our control, that our body has reacted to the food due to its acidic nature, its allergenic protein creation, high fat content, uh, imbalance with your current gut microbiome, the food's a, a poor match, the creation of bacteria that's unsupportive for intestinal permeability. And all this happens and you're that's out of your control. But what you can control is the next meal that you make, the next smoothie that you have, the time you get up in the morning to go for that run, the conversations you have with yourself, the sunshine that you get. These are your decisions. They are under your control. And we therefore can slowly, slowly taper off the impact of that sort of short-term eating imperfection and take that massive lesson. And so we're always going to have these things happen to us and we can apply this strategy. And I've adopted this uh, just in the last week and I just feel so much happier because accepting that things are out of our control is the first step to not letting that thing dominate our life. So have we, I love these, I love uncovering these gems from you, Chase. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Um, no, not really. I mean, yeah, you got more. Uh, yeah, like pretty much, pretty much it. What's next for you then? I mean, you're in your mid, you know, early twenties. You know, you you're you've just learned the sorts of lifestyle lessons that some people will never learn because they've never going to develop an autoimmune disease or they're in denial. Things like this can help them. You've got the world at your feet. You live in California. Sun's out. You're feeling good. I mean, where do you want to go? What is your dream? Well, um, if we're talking work-wise, I do love what I do. I'm a hairstylist, um, and I do love it. But it is a little bit hard on you know my joints and just standing and. It is, you know, um, it is pretty tough sometimes, and I'm starting to realize that having a disease. So, a part of me is kind of considering health coaching um, after having my health coach, and just like having her help me so much and providing me with lessons that you know I'll always um, have forever. Um, that's honestly kind of in my thoughts right now. Um, you know, I definitely want to have kids too. Like I definitely want kids. Um, so I think for me right now, my main thing is to get as healthy as possible. So when it is time for me to have kids, um, hopefully I won't have to worry about medications or I won't have, um, complications with pain or, you know, um, because I do hear that sometimes when women get pregnant, you know, and then they have their baby, a lot of symptoms can arise again or, things like that. So just trying to get as healthy as possible is like my goal for right now in the future. Yeah. I guess prepare for that next chapter of, you know, starting a family and yeah. Very, very wise, wise words there because 
First of all, just to comment on career change and heading in that direction, I was part of a business community very similar to Rheumatoid Support, our community for people with RA. I was part of a business community. And in that community, someone knew of my work and they messaged me and said, Clint, I've just been diagnosed with cancer and I want to overcome cancer and I want to create a business right now. And I'm going to blog and create content and even a course uh, all associated with my recovery from cancer. Um, what platform should I use? Um, which is the best social media outlet? Uh, basically, business-related questions about health businesses like ours. And my response was this. Concentrate on getting well. Once you're well, contact me again. Okay. Now. He said a year later that at the time that really annoyed him because I wasn't helping him at all. I didn't offer him any advice. However, similarly, he added, now this is a year later, he said what I went through over the next three, four months was so challenging. I look back now and realize that the last thing that I should have been trying to do, which he didn't do was trying to start a new business and share. He said that I gave him, in hindsight, the best possible advice. And that's how I feel because that's what I went through. I didn't tell anyone. I I was never a blogger while I was trying to get well. I created some little documentary-style videos for myself, but the last thing I wanted to do was blog about day eight, day nine publicly. I was miserable. So all the energy has to get in, go to getting well. That's all that matters. Get well. Then there's plenty of life ahead to tell people how to go about it to what they what what works. And the idea around the health coaching is fabulous. You know, why not? Um we're looking at, you know, you had the sort of a a, a live kind of contact with someone. We're looking at setting that up at the moment. So maybe it's something that, you know, maybe uh, there's a role down the down the track uh, for yourself um, in our business. Um, you know, I'm looking at taking people on right now for that. So what a great, you know, what a great strategy you have. And the children factor, don't plant the seed that symptoms could return during uh, or after childbirth. Yes, it happens. But how often does it happen to people who are on a plant-based diet, who do yoga all the time, who understand the science behind rheumatoid arthritis, who know the intricacies of being well? It happens, but the but the statistics are all for people on a Western diet. We don't know the likelihood if you're eating wonderfully and you're really healthy and fit. So don't even put that out there. Don't even put that out there. Things are going to be fantastic and visualize continued, extended, perpetual health because that can be yours. Yeah. I thank you so much for those words. Those were awesome. And I feel like in a way, you know, this is almost like a gift to like always keep my health on track because I think about it and I'm like, if I didn't have RA and I'm sure 
you even feel the same. If you didn't have RA, you would not be so in tune with, you know, being healthy. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really is a gift. And I feel like, um, you know, we all, I feel like autoimmune in general is just on the rise right now. And it's because I think it's just humanity. Like we need to wake up and we need to make changes. We need to have, you know, whole foods, plant-based diets, eat a lot of fruit, like stay hydrated, you know, do these things. And so in a way, I feel like we are like the teachers of this time. Like, you know, we have this special gift of like knowledge, you know, to spread people, you know, be examples kind of. I love it. Yep. Well, you've been a wonderful example for us today. And, you know, we've overcome a few little things here. We haven't had the best internet connection. I've got a weird voice, um, but we got through it. And and the, as long as the message gets over the bar, that's okay. That's okay. And we certainly have done that, I hope, to people who've watched this episode or listened to this. We appreciate We appreciate you listening or watching and and thank you for sharing. Thank you for for being part of our community that that puts their hand up and say, "Hey, this is what I've done." Because more stories like yours eventually create this feeling that we can all massively improve our health. So, thank you, Chase. I'm very grateful for you for sharing today. Ah, thank you so much. Thank you for all that you've done because. Yeah, you've been like a huge uh, contributor to my health for sure. You've been a huge contributor. Thanks for listening to Rheumatoid Solutions. If you'd like to get more help to live an easier, healthier, and happier life, visit rheumatoidsolutions.com.